Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, April 22nd. I'm your host, Mike Meharing. Thanks for tuning in. So does your wallet feel a little lighter this week? Mine sure does, because you know, it was tax day this week, Monday to be exact. That means I had to write a big check. Now, some of you may not have felt this pain. In fact, for a lot of Americans, tax day is a great day. I mean, at least they think they think it is because they get a nice, big, fat refund. The government sends them money. I mean, I actually have friends who make a big deal out of April 15th. They plan how they're going to spend their refund. You know, it's, it's exciting. It's like they're getting free money. Of course, they're getting screwed just like me. But thanks to withholding, they don't realize it. You know, I wish the government would just get rid of withholding altogether so everybody had to write that big check to the IRS. I think there would be a lot more anger over taxes if that were the case. If they actually had that money taken out of their bank account. You know, it's a whole different thing. I know we can see it on our pay stubs. You know, we can see that X number of dollars come out. But it's a whole different matter when it's in your bank and then suddenly it's not. The way it is, people think they're actually getting money from the government. And I think because of that, most people are fine with the system. They don't really feel that pain. Uncle Sam takes their money and they never, ever see it. Now, I see it and it makes me angry. And, you know, I'm pretty certain that I could find better ways to spend my money than Joe Biden. Now, I'm self-employed and so is my wife, so we really get the shaft. I mean, we do okay in terms of our income, but we're not exactly rich. I mean, I'll put it this way. We aren't in the six-figure range. And yet, I fork over 16% of my gross income to the government. I'm not exaggerating. 16% is the total amount of the tax check that I had to write. So, yeah, I'm a little salty. Now, I'm told that taxation is the price we pay for a civilized society. I have yet to figure out what is civilized about extorting me out of 16% of my hard-earned income. And it's not like they're doing a lot of civilizing things with my dough, right? I mean, they're mostly buying guns and bombs. That's certainly not civilized. Here's the real honest truth. Here's what they would tell you if they were being honest. Taxation is the price we pay for overreaching unconstitutional government. And that price tag is going up every minute. In fact, taxation doesn't begin to pay for all of the government that we're getting. Just look at the monthly budget deficit numbers. A big chunk of what they spend is actually just money printed out of thin air. Of course, we pay for that too via the inflation tax. And of course, we're paying that in spades right now. Now, we do get roads. But, you know, if you've driven through like Ohio or Michigan lately, you'll come to the conclusion that really that's not exactly the best case to be made for taxes. The whole argument kind of falls apart. Seriously, it's amusing to me that some people think that roads are the crowning achievement of government, as if without a bunch of politicians and bureaucrats, nobody would be able to figure out how to lay a ribbon of concrete from point A to point B. Anyway, as my mother-in-law often says, it is what it is. I'll end this rant with a reminder that there are ways you can protect some of your wealth from the tax man when you buy gold. Uh, There are a lot of 
transactions involving gold that you don't have to report to the IRS. And if you want to learn more about that, uh, I'll put a link in the show notes page to a report that gives all of the details on IRS rules as far as gold and silver. You can always find that on the Shift Gold webpage at shiftgold.com. Uh, so that's my tax rant for today. Really what I want to talk about a little bit is the bond market. Uh, really that's where the action's been over the last couple of weeks or maybe carnage is the better word. Earlier this week the yield on the 30-year treasury rose above 3% for the first time since April 2019. This morning when I checked, we were just a tad below that at 2.93%. Now, what this tells you is that the bond market is very weak. Yields are the inverse of price. So as a bond price falls, its yield rises. So when people are getting out of bonds, when they're selling bonds, interest rates increase as the price goes down. And that's exactly what's happening in the current market. And this is putting a lot of downward pressure on gold. Actually, to be honest, gold has done pretty well over the last month or so, given the fact that interest rates have been pushing upwards for several weeks. In fact, we got close to $2,000 an ounce earlier in the week before that aforementioned pressure really took over. And that's brought back uh, gold back down uh, below 1950. It was 1950 last night. Now we're in like 1935 this morning. Uh, we've got <clears throat> a lot of dollar strength and we've got uh, these rising bond yields. Now the dollar strength is interesting because I think that's really a function of the fact that the dollar is the, uh, as, as they say, the cleanest dirty shirt in the laundry. Uh, yen is really being pressured because the Japanese have doubled down on their quantitative easing while the U.S. is talking about tightening. So relatively, that makes the dollar a bit stronger. Uh, but you have to look at kind of the overall picture. Really, the dollar is not strong given the amount of inflation in the system. But uh, it, it has been showing strength, at least in the dollar index. So that's putting some downward pressure on gold as well. Now, let's look more specifically at the bond market. I've talked about this before, but I think it's really, really important, and, and people tend to forget it. Um, the, the markets don't seem to be, pay, be paying attention to this fact at all. Investors get fixated on rising interest rates, but they miss the bigger picture, real rates. And right now, real rates are still deeply negative. In fact, if you look at 3% on a 30-year treasury, you're getting a 3% yield for lending the U.S. government money for 30 years. 3% is really not very much. It's not very much historically, and it's not very much in real terms. Um, but regardless, rising interest rates are seen as a negative for gold. Now, the reason for this is that holding gold does not generate interest income like a bond or a bank account. If interest rates rise and you're holding gold, you're foregoing the interest income you could earn if you instead put that money into a bond or put dollars uh, in a money market account. This is why rising interest rates tend to create headwinds for gold, and it's why we're seeing pressure on gold as bond yields rise currently. This makes sense on the surface, but again, you have to consider real interest rates, and pretty much nobody seems to be doing that. Real interest equals the nominal rate, so that's the number you hear on the news, 3% on a 30-year, that's the nominal interest rate, minus inflation. 
and, and really I mean minus the CPI. So the CPI is running at around 8.5%. That's using the cooked government numbers. We know it's much higher than that, but we'll just use that number since that's what they're giving us. So the real yield on a 30-year treasury is in the neighborhood of negative 5.5%. In other words, the 30-year yield needs to climb another 5.5% just to get to the break-even point with inflation. So it should be pretty obvious that this is not negative for gold. Now, I have heard some commentators claim that the yield on the 10-year actually went positive for a brief time this week. Um, There are some assumptions baked in here, though, that I don't buy. Uh, The 10-year is also close to 3%. The yield curve is relatively flat right now. Um, In order to believe that the yield on the 10-year went positive, you have to believe that the CPI is going to fall below 3% pretty quickly, and then that it's going to stay below 3% for the next decade. Now, I don't think so. Um, I think that the idea that inflation is going to drop suddenly, uh, you know, that it's just that we're at the peak and it's all going to go away, I'm not buying it. As I've explained over and over again, I don't think the Fed can really fight inflation. Now, the mainstream still does, and that's also putting a lot of headwinds uh, on gold. Uh, in fact, I think was uh, I think it was yesterday. Jerome Powell said that uh, you know a fifty basis point rate hike is on the table, and we've had uh, I think it was Bullard. You know, he was talking about a seventy five basis point rate hike. So they're really going to go after inflation hard, right? I don't think they can do it. Here's the thing: the Fed needs rates. They need bond yields. And, and, of course, the Fed funds rates, which they control, they need that to be a lot higher than 3% in order to, to take on 8.5% CPI. And even if they do get interest rates to 3%, and that seems to be kind of the, you know, that seems to be kind of the goal. They're going to raise the Fed's fund rate to 3% or 3.5% by the end of the year. That seems to be the goal, even if they could do it. What are they going to do when that starts popping the bubbles and it breaks the stock market? Will the Fed stay the course? Do they have the wherewithal to keep pushing forward with tightening when the economy implodes? And the economy is going to implode from this. Again, I don't think so. So let's put this bond market into a little bit of historical perspective. As I mentioned, the last time bond yields were this high was April 2019. That was at the peak of the Federal Reserve's tightening cycle after a decade of easy money following the Great Recession. The Fed funds rate was at 2.5%, and the Fed was still trying to shrink its balance sheet. Now, it was about to pivot. It had done its last rate hike. It did that in December of 2018. And uh, by the end of 2019, it would be back to quantitative easing. But at this point in April 2019, we were really at the peak of the tightening cycle. Meanwhile, CPI at this point was 1.8%. That means the real yield on a 30-year treasury at that time was a positive 1.2%. Now, also consider this. At the time, CPI was trending down. CPI was above 2% back in 2018. So inflation was coming down with bond yields, uh, the 30-year, over 3%. Now, where are we today? We have a similar situation in the bond market as we did in 2019. But 
with a year-over-year CPI gain of 8.5%, and it's not falling, I think it's still rising. And the Fed is just beginning its tightening cycle. It's not at the end of tightening. It's just starting. They've raised rates one time. The Fed funds rate is at a paltry 0.25%. It hasn't started to shrink its balance sheet. In fact, the balance sheet actually continues to creep higher. I kid you not. Despite all of this talk, all of this hawkish blah, blah, blah coming out of the Federal Reserve, and all of this talk that it's going to get more aggressive, all this nonsense, in the week ending April 13th, the balance sheet grew by $27.9 billion and hit a new record of $8.965 trillion. To use an overused cliche, the Fed is still pouring gasoline on the inflationary fire. This is the worst inflation fight ever. You don't, you don't continue quantitative easing when you've got historically high inflation. So it tells me that a lot of what we're seeing, or I guess hearing is the better term, is a lot of talk about an inflation fight. We have yet to see a real inflation fight. So to get to 1.2% real rates on the 30-year treasury, which is what it was in 2019, the yield would need to rise to 9.7%. The actual yield would have to be 9.7%. Not 3%, 9.7%. So it needs to rise another, what, 6.7%? Do you think that's going to happen? Of course not. Literally nobody thinks that's going to happen. In fact, the markets seem to think that we're near the peak of inflation. After the March CPI numbers came out, the pundits started talking about quote, peak inflation. That became kind of the mantra. You know, it was Putin's price hike and peak inflation. Because the core CPI didn't go up quite as much as expected. But as I explained in last week's show, we saw a similar ebb in the core CPI number back in July. The core in uh, this latest numbers, uh, that was March, was 0.3. The core in July was 0.3. And it's interesting because if you go back to July and you listen to what the pundits were saying, you will hear them talking about, oh, I think inflation's peaking out. Yes, inflation is transitory. Because, you know, we were still in the transitory inflation narrative at that point. So just because we got 0.3% in the core this time around doesn't mean that we've reached the peak. We've seen before that that's not necessarily the fact. So, nevertheless, ever the optimists, the markets are talking about the end of inflation. We've hit peak inflation. There also seems to be some sense that bond yields aren't going to rise much past 3% where they are now. In fact, I think a lot of analysts really didn't expect the yields to get as high as they are now. Um, after all, you know, 2% is the Fed inflation target. Why would yields go higher than 3%? But, you know, why not? If real rates topped out at 1.2% in 2019 at the peak of that tightening cycle, why would they top out at negative 5.5% now before the Fed really gets going with tightening? The answer to that question seems pretty obvious. It wouldn't. So, Given the inflationary environment, it's highly unlikely that the Federal Reserve can hold rates as low as they were over the past decade. So the carnage in the bond market will likely continue with yields continuing to rise. There is really only one thing that can put 
a floor on the bond market. There's really only one thing that can stop this big sell-off, which means there is really only one thing that can stop yields from rising and make the bond interest rates go down. And that is the Fed pivoting back to rate cuts and returning to quantitative easing. So stop and think about what rising bond yields are really telling us. It tells us that people don't want bonds, right? There is more supply out there than demand, so the price of bonds are falling, economics 101. And since bond yields are the inverse of bond prices, bond yields are rising. In essence, the price is dropping and yields are rising in order to get more people to buy bonds to fix this imbalance between supply and demand. Now, what's going to happen when the Fed really starts tightening in earnest. What happens when the Fed actually starts selling bonds into the market, when it starts trying to shrink its balance sheet instead of buying bonds, which apparently it's still doing? There's going to be an even bigger gut glut of bonds out there. Prices will drop even further. Yields will go even higher. So the notion that we're at the top as far as bond yields go, it's ridiculous if the Fed is really going to tighten. If the Fed's going to tighten, these yields are going to have to go much higher. There's absolutely no reason to think that yields are going to magically stop going up at 3%. And this is a huge problem for an economy built on debt. The other day on the Shift Gold Facebook page, somebody asked, well, what do I care about the bond market? What does this mean to me? What does it mean to the average person? Well, other interest rates are also going up along with treasuries. The treasury yields are kind of a benchmark. So if Treasury yields are going up. You're seeing other interest rates go up as well. So mortgage rates are going up. Credit card rates are going up. Auto loan rates are going up. Corporate bond rates are going up. So it costs businesses more to borrow money. What's going to happen when all of these over-leveraged people that are up to their eyeballs in debt, when their interest costs go through the roof? And, and how is Joe Sixpack going to keep using his credit card to keep up with inflation? Because his wages sure aren't keeping up with it. I'll link to an article in the show notes page that actually breaks down uh, what's going on with wages. And this is exactly what's happening. People are turning to their credit cards. I think I mentioned it in the last show. The uh, revolving credit, which is primarily credit card debt, was up 20%, over 20% actually, in February, which is the last data that we had. So here's the thing. Nobody seems to be thinking about this. The over-leveraged bubble economy was built on debt. It can't handle high interest rates. So rising rates will tank the economy. They will tank the stock market. And then what? Will the Fed keep tightening? Or will the Fed do what it always does and go back to loose money? That's the $64,000 question. I think I know the answer. But I guess we'll have to see it play out. So here's how the mainstream seems to think it's going to play out. We're going to have a little recession. You know, no big deal. I think they do recognize that tightening the money supply is going to have some impact on the economy. But I think they're underestimating just how bad that it's going to tank the economy. But, you know, little recession, and then that's going to put the inflation genie back in the bottle. And then the Fed can go back to business as usual. And, you know, I guess that could happen. 
but it probably won't. Quite frankly, I don't think Genie is going to go back in the bottle quite so easily, and I don't think the Fed has the will to really do what it takes to get the job done. I think once we get to two, two and a half percent interest rates, and it may not even take that much. I mean, we got to two and a half in 2018, and that was it. Uh, so maybe we'll get to two and a half. Maybe we'll get to one and a half. But at some point, the interest rate is going to tank the economy. Then that's where things get really shaky. That's where the poo-poo is really going to hit the fan. And, and you know, here's the thing. When you boil it all dead down, the Fed is really damned if it does and damned if it doesn't. It's going to face a tough choice, a conundrum, if you will. It can keep aggressively fighting inflation when the economy tanks and send the economy into an even deeper crash or it can rescue the economy again with rate cuts and QE. And by rescue, I mean try to reinflate the bubbles, which is going to mean more inflation. So we're either going to have a really, really bad recession, which could go all the way to depression. I think it could be worse than the 20, uh, 2008 crash. It can do that. That would be the best thing because really that's what needs to happen. We need to have a deep recession in order to get all of the maladjustments and misallocations and all of the bubbles out of the economy that the Fed has created really since 2008 and then doubling down with all of the pandemic stimulus. So it could do that or it can do what it always does and just go ahead and try to rescue the economy and, you know, cut interest rates and, and do more QE and blow up the bubbles again. History tells us that's what it will probably do. But then that is going to really let the inflation genie run wild. So, you know, it's kind of a choice. Here's the conundrum. It can tank the economy or it can tank the dollar. Take your pick. That's really where we are. Will the Fed crash the economy? Or will it crash the dollar? I don't know. I guess we'll see. But, you know, if you ask me, neither is a particularly pleasant scenario. Again, I'd put my money on the Fed going back to QE sooner rather than later. And what I really mean is I'd put my money on gold in the medium to long term. To state the obvious, there is no opportunity cost in holding gold when real rates are still deeply negative, and I suspect they're going to stay that way, when we're looking at a huge economic crash or we're looking at a currency crisis. This is when you need to have gold, but you need to have gold when that happens. And I don't quite get people that are selling their gold right now. You know, the fact of the matter is, you're losing real money holding bonds right now that aren't yielding enough interest income to keep up with inflation. So, you know, I figure at some point this is all going to become clear to the markets and things will turn. You know, at some point, the Fed will do what it's going to do and the market's going to go, oh my gosh, we never saw that coming. Speaking of which, I'll link to another article in the show notes page, which is pretty funny. It's from back in uh, 2020, uh, a CNBC article. Maybe it was 2021. But it was a CNBC article that was t talking about how uh, there's no worry about all of the money printing that is that was going on at the time for the coronavirus. No, no worry about that creating inflation. That's a pretty funny one. Didn't age well. So anyway, you know, at some point it will become clear. This will play out. 
If you want to put your money on gold, you can do that. You can talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist. You can call 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can simply shoot them an email to info at shiftgold.com. Or if you go to the Shift Gold webpage, uh, shiftgold.com slash news, if you click on any article, you'll actually get a pop-up box where you can chat with a broker right there on the website if you don't feel like talking on the phone and don't want to bother with an email. But do it today. Talk to these guys. Find out how your investment strategy, how your portfolio can benefit uh, by adding some gold or precious metal silver. So with that, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of the stories that I've talked about and, of course, much more over at shiftgold.com slash news. Uh, we give you analysis and news throughout the week. And if you haven't done it already, of course, you can subscribe to the Shift Gold podcast, the Friday Gold podcast that you're listening to now. You can subscribe to that over at uh, Apple Podcast, we're on Stitcher, we're at <coughs> the uh, Ship Gold YouTube page. You can subscribe there and uh, you'll get the podcast episodes the moment they come out. All of this stuff is linked over on the show notes page. You're welcome to send me an email, mmahari at shipgold.com, M-M-A-H-A-R-R-E-Y at shipgold.com. Love hearing from you guys. Um, so do it. Appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I will talk to you next week.